it's gone. It's finally gone. Football, that is. You may have read that it's gone a thousand times before, be it VAR, footballers screaming in pain after the shin pad was grazed, or City potentially winning a trophy. But judging from my Twitter timeline today, and yesterday, it seems it's definitely gone this time, and with good reason. Yes, I'm talking, of course, about the news that emerged on Sunday of a new Super League to be formed by a select group of 12 clubs for now. We've heard it all before, so it would be easy to dismiss it as willy-waving to obtain concessions, the equivalent of a player being linked with a certain team, before magically signing a new contract. Sadly, this does not seem like brinkmanship from certain clubs just to get more money from Champions League revenue, but a serious proposal that they intend to proceed with at the earliest opportunity. For the likes of City and Chelsea, it probably is an attempt to just get more cash for the existing format, Having nailed their colours to the mast, they have little say now. It comes to something when we are wondering if the Premier League in UEFA are the good guys. They're not of course, but for a short time at least, they may not be the most evil. Something for them to build on, I guess. Good for the brand. Strange though how it was the incredulity and disgust from Sky employees and swathes of other people in the business who helped us get to this point of outrage. Much better to push pay-per-view football during the pandemic, eh? Many people who have had hands in troughs for a long time seem to have had a eureka moment, and fans too, but more on us mere mortals later. Now I said to Aiton on WhatsApp that the timing was terrible, as I would have preferred this to happen in the summer so that we could spread our content out. But how damning will it be for City season? If you think that talk of competitions being suspended is a massive overreaction, you may be underestimating what is to come. This could seriously undermine nearly a season of toil, sweat and some tears too. I've no doubt this league would be a line in the sand. After that, the future of European dominance is essentially mapped out. It funnels more money to fewer teams. Apart from five teams graciously allowed to compete alongside the cabal of 15 each season, the doors have been locked. No breaking through the glass ceiling, no dreams from the likes of Everton or Leicester to be at the top table. Perhaps they're better off for being on one of the other tables. The guys just invited to the evening do. Did City and others not expect this backlash? They surely cannot be so ignorant or naive to have thought their plans would be greeted favourably. So ultimately, they didn't care. They've made it clear what we always knew anyway. Fans really don't matter in top-level football anymore, and they've not mattered for a while. Still, that sports washing is going well, eh? You see, the key for me and so many others, football without a pyramid system, without qualification, is meaningless. Where's the edge? It comes at the end of the league for a select few teams, and the rest is merely flotsam. Qualification and participation by written agreement is not sport, it's just a business deal. It's just content. Football may need restructuring, as may the Champions League, but the answer is never an American billionaire-led closed-shop league designed simply to preserve a status quo and make even more money. It's the equivalent of cutting your arm off to deal with an itch. Now don't tell me it worked in American sports. It neither works or doesn't, it's just how it is or what they are used to. It does not mean it is a success. And I'm not American, and my concept of sport at its best does not include franchises and clubs moving cities due to financial inducements. What happens across the pond is of no interest to me, but I can no longer ignore what happens there when American owners take over English football, men who simply cannot comprehend the merits of relegation or a pyramid system that has worked just fine for 150 years. City will say, and I get it, I guess, that they were backed into a corner. 
but I'm afraid that is not an acceptable excuse, though it's a nice PR angle to semi-wash their hands of the situation while still benefiting from it. They did not drive this league, it was clearly the brainwave of American billionaires, but that's not a get-out for them. They could have taken a stand, they could have stood for integrity, but they're billionaires too, who seek more and more money. And so it comes to pass that City put a statement on their website that quotes Joel Glazer, a statement they clearly did not write. What a state of affairs. Too afraid to talk publicly about the plan, as they know what it is, and they know we all know what it is. A pathetic power grab that twists the knife once more into the soul of football. There are loaves of blame for this and City are not at the top, but the fear of missing out financially is seen and meekly concede. What's more, the bad guys will use the pandemic as a cover for what they are doing, perhaps suggesting that they had little choice. It makes it all the more sickening, this crisis profiteering. It should come as no surprise that a mid-table Arsenal, who salvaged a last-minute draw at home to soon-to-be-relegated Fulham, are up for this. This is a lifeline for a club drifting towards obscurity, if they're not already there. Obscurity at least measured against past standards. This is a Super League in name only. I mean, let's see who it contains. AC Milan, no league title since 2011. Inter, no league title since 2010, though they will surely break that one this season. But there are big concerns over their owner's financial situation. Juventus are currently fourth in Serie A. Atletico Madrid, no league title since 2014, though again they stand a chance this season. Arsenal have no league title since 2004, no prospect of one in the coming years. Chelsea are fifth in the Premier League, but should be contenders next season. United have no league title since 2013, well, let's hope it stays that way. The less said about Spurs, the better. Success, financial and sporting, via merit, via on-field success, is of little interest to owners who expect membership of the status quo for life. Risk needs to be eliminated, especially when history showed they were not up to the job of maintaining their on-field success. City and PSG are in a way to blame for this simply by winning trophies. It wasn't supposed to be this way. This in a way is the end game for financial fair play. Owners want guaranteed returns on investments in a sporting team. What a depressing sentence to read out. Many of these group of 12 have been given every financial advantage for over a decade to be successful and still failed, so they needed even more. And with the current global situation, there are teams in the group who really, really need greater revenue right now. No wonder they want this to start as soon as possible. At least half of the group of 12 are desperate. The desperate are not just in this to make more money, but because of dire financial situations that almost demand they somehow make more money. If UEFA won't comply with their demands, this was the almost inevitable consequence. If I'm really desperate to find an upside to the structure of the Super League, then I guess I could put forward the idea that the larger league means that Europe's best sides do play each other more often, so you get a better idea who is best compared to a seeded league followed by a knockout stage where anything could happen and two top teams could avoid each other for many years. That doesn't really stand up to inspection. There'll be two leagues of 10, so plenty of teams will not play each other. Who knows how it'll be formatted. And it will still end with a knockout, so the team who wins the league could ultimately win nothing. Much like the format for Rugby League Super League. The Cabal want the domestic league to continue as normal. So as we City fans supposedly hate the Champions League anyway, we should be able to carry on as normal. But there is little chance this league will be allowed to happen as pitched, with expulsion threats galore filling the airwaves today. With 18 games minimum, something has to give. A lot has to give. 
The knock-on effect for other competitions, domestic ones, will be seismic, as it will for teams not involved anyway. And anything that endangers City's participation in the domestic league should not be entertained, whatever its merits, and their financial merits, of course. But it's not that big a change from an already flawed system, really. We will not be going overnight from ethically sound competitive football to a closed shop. It's just a step too far for many. It's a clash of money versus money. There's few good guys on all the list, let's be honest. The alternatives don't fill me with joy either. The new revamped Champions League format, for example. Champions League draws are already rigged with special rules and seeding, and the group stage rarely excites. But at least it had qualification criteria. At least there was some sense to it, despite its many flaws, as shown by its name. It was never fair though and was designed to make the rich even richer and with that domestic leagues became less and less competitive and thus less and less interesting. Now I'm well aware I want my club to spunk £100 million on Erling Haaland in the summer. I want them to dominate football. I want their revenue to go up so they can buy more players and I want City to have proved the attempt at the old status quo to have failed. From the initial setting up of the Champions League to revised financial fair play rules to calls for historical teams to automatically qualify for European competition. It's easy to suggest therefore I'm a hypocrite for rallying against all of this. But I've never been an apologist for the current football mechanisms. I've never been truly comfortable with how money rules football. I've just accepted its inevitability. I've been happy that I've seen my club profit from it and given me some great players to watch and legends form. Better to be on the inside than rather the outside. But I'm not a hypocrite as this is about more than money. This is about killing off competition for good. Truth is, much as I would hate to take the side of your delays and cons, and I really do hate to do that, I've always been fine with the concept of money being stripped away from football and competition returning. I just knew it was a pipe dream, about as likely as me winning the lottery, and I don't do the lottery. Therefore, I never discussed it. I just wanted City to win loads first, of course. Anyway, if it was to happen. Imagine a world where, as fans, we do not have to defend our owner on a daily basis. A world where someone like Nottingham Forest can get promoted, then challenge for a title within two years. When City are not expected to win everything and thus are not slagged off every time they fail. You may say that sounds horrible. To me, it sounds like an experience I could get on board with. Now, as I've already said, now that we've won lots of stuff anyway. I don't want to lose what I've experienced over the past decade as a City fan. And the current system means I may experience much more of the same for decades to come. Which is a great way to live out my football supporting life in many respects. But football could be just as exciting and actually less stressful when stripped back and when money does not rule. All this new league does is remind us that those days can never return. The bubble will never burst it seems, as we don't really need match going fans anymore anyway. Whether the plans succeed or fail, this is the future now, of sorts. It's just laughable that it took this announcement for so many to wake up to what has been happening and creeping over us for decades. It all stinks and it always has. Though if Shakhtar Donetsk wants to throw their hat in the ring, I'm willing to reconsider my position. I've missed them, truth be told. I must say, though, that none of this surprises me. I cannot say I'm disappointed in City's owner and executives, as they have acted exactly how I thought they would. Disappointment would suggest I expected them to act differently. I've always appreciated our owner because the takeover has led to a decade of astonishing memories, enough to fill five books, in fact. I'm grateful for that. But I've never blown smoke up their arses. They didn't do it as a charity case because they felt sorry for us Burts. They did it as an investment, and a very successful one at that. 
they have made the right noises about being connected to the fans and our history, but we all know deep down it's of little concern to them. Billionaires think differently. Ultimately, they will act to get the most out of their investment. Even if it is already a success, the opportunity for it to be even more successful cannot be ignored, and City were never going to take a stand because they were never going to put that investment at risk. They could talk all they want about being backed into a corner, but they were always getting on that gravy train. Because to not do so would mean less money, less power, less influence. And influence and power is as important as money to these guys. And it's always guys. I mean, why do multimillionaires become politicians? They're not desperate for a wage, are they? The stupid thing is, if City and Chelsea, the other team who, according to media reports, felt backed into a corner, had taken a stand as the German teams in PSG appear to have done, for now, then the plan could have been scuppered, and City would be the good guys for once, but they were unlikely to take the chance. It should surprise us even less that City would get in bed with some who have looked to screw them over in the past. Now it is others they will screw over instead. Much of football is politics, after all, so needs must. The civil war that is about to break out will prove that. But please don't fall for the idea that City had no choice. Yes, from a business point of view, it might felt that way, but there's always a choice. And whilst this would never have occurred to our board for a single second, they could have improved their image of the club more than a decade of supposed sports washing could ever do by taking that stand and by taking a risk. The fact that players and clubs have been threatened with immediate suspension from European competitions, which they must have suspected could happen, makes it even more laughable to me to think that their hands were tied. The clubs will not comment as there are no argument to put forward, really, and it will be left to managers and players to front this shitstorm instead. What's laughable also is, this, is the media's role in this. Many seem more intent on slurring Middle Eastern money that they failed to watch as American owners moved to destroy the fabric of the sport in plain sight. They can't say they weren't warned, but I guess the amount of melanin pigment in your skin can take you a long way. It's almost as laughable as some fans thinking their club cared about them. Nice one, that gallows humour will stand us in good stead in the coming years, hopefully. They never cared, but they never had to, if they had just acted sensibly anyway. Those days are over. This is a natural progression of very rich club owners and board members sitting on your way from FIFA councils, lobbying, threatening and cajoling those that run football to shape the sport for their own benefit, merged with the financial necessities caused by a pandemic, meaning negotiations for a more palatable alternative were more likely to fail because time was of the essence. It's perhaps rather strange that this proved the final straw for so many. Were you okay with what went before, really? Self-interest has been driving top-level European football for decades now. Season tickets that have gone up in price over a thousand percent since the dawn of the Premier League age. Thrown out the ground if you dare stand up, sanitised match day experiences, kick-off times to suit a football audience on the other side of the globe, power grabs, asset stripping, leeching debt, the creep of corporate round stadia, Far Eastern tours, Game 39 project, big picture and much more. We've all bent over and had our bottoms spanked for so long, so compliant. All the while, a media-backed campaign of mockery plays out for empty seats of those who had already said enough is enough. Many of us have been blind to all of this. Dinosaurs, perhaps, failing to get with the times, but when some involved in a new Super League proposal, proposals called traditional supporters of clubs legacy fans, stating that they are focused instead on the fans of the future who want superstar names, perhaps now it is time to open our eyes. Those that have supported their club through thin and thin, and then a bit of thick, 
are little more than an inconvenience now. Many of us don't even swing by the club store after a match. Sad thing is, if this happens, in 15 years or less, it will be seen as the norm. This is what football will be now for supporters of certain teams at least. This is what you'll die watching, if you are watching. A global TV show all branded and promoted to a pulp. There's no European in the title of this new league either, so who knows where this eventually leads. The question is, what is being a football fan about? It's different for all of us, of course. I know we want the team to win as many trophies as possible, especially as I was starved of that experience for much of my life. But at some point you reach a stage where you wonder if you're really enjoying any of this anymore. And this was going to happen at one point or another, when despite many ambitions tallying, the function of a football club for rich owners and fans differs so fundamentally. None of these owners are there as fans. They're there to make money. I've heard many a fan say over recent years that they're jacking in going to the games. Normally it's just bluster. They still turn up, because at the end of the day, what else have we got to do? A trip round B&Q or some grouting? And just as importantly, the match day experience is as much about before and after the match as it is the match itself, for many of us at least. My life will lose something integral if I stop meeting with friends on match day. The last year has shown that. But seriously, this could be the thing that stops me going, because what's the point? This league cannot exist whilst domestic football carries on as normal. Its ripple effect will affect everything. The gaps will widen, the games will become more predictable. The money will not trickle down enough whatever claims are made. We might as well just go to the pub and stay there. The empty head can finally live up to its name because there will be a tipping point for many, unwilling to watch the Bezic Bitters versus the Glazer Red Devils. The pandemic has made many reevaluate how many fans allocate their time anyway. I know quite a few who may never return. The desire has gone, sapped away. And now this. Club executives sabotaging the future of top-level football over an argument about revenue streams. I hope you're pleased with yourself. Handy too that there are no fans in grounds to offer some creative feedback. There is a prospect on the horizon that breaks my heart. I will always be a Manchester City supporter, and no one else, no splinter clubs, no checking out non football, though going to the odd game won't do any harm. What is heartbreaking is a decision that I'm and many others may make one day to say that this is the end of our wonderful journey and that a different life awaits. Maybe this new league doesn't change that much, except to wake up many of us to what was already happening. Created by the poor, stolen by the rich. Modern football for many summed up. Football has never been perfect, but right now it's never felt so imperfect, so tainted. Never has it felt like it doesn't belong to fans anymore, but to rich men playing politics, backed by an investment banking company. My only hope is that the scheme fails miserably, but I fear that is wishful thinking. At what point is the sport unrecognisable from the one I fell in love with? I dread the realisation that that point has just got a lot closer.